Hello everyone. Welcome to the Counterpoint podcast. This is our second episode in which we are going to talk more about 5G. I'm your host Ritesh and we have our VP and Research Director Peter to talk more about today's topic. Hi Peter. Hi Ritesh and hello everyone. It's uh, good to be here. So Peter, before we begin with our topic of the day, would you like to give our listeners a weekly update on the current coronavirus situation and also the companies that are affected due to it? Yes, the COVID-19 or the coronavirus uh, outbreak has been a, a significant dampener on the market particularly in in China over the first part of the year. We're expecting that to spread to other markets um, going forward. Talking about China in particular in relation to coronavirus, the situation there seems to be settling down. So we saw a big spike in infections and that seems to be settling. But what we're now seeing is the emergence of the virus in other other countries. From a China perspective, We expect that factory production will start to get back to towards normal in most of China. Um, I think the Hubei province, uh, which is critical for several uh, component manufacturers, may take a little bit longer to uh, get back into full production. But it looks like the worst of the outbreak is behind us uh, in China, which which is positive for the global supply chain. But as I said earlier, now we're you know our focus is really kind of switching to other countries, and there are some which are you know rather concerning. Iran, you know, has had quite a number of deaths from the virus, somewhat ahead of the reported number of infections. So that implies that there is a you know a larger group of people that have been infected with the virus, but have not been tested or, or recognized as such. And, you know, given Iran's importance for the for the Muslim uh, community, so we're, you know, we've seen tourists coming back from uh, in Iran uh, to other uh, Middle Eastern countries and carrying the virus with them. Uh, so there is a, you know, an expectation that uh, the contagion will uh, develop in some of the Middle Eastern countries. Italy, uh, as, a, as another you know, sub- significant number of in- infections in, in that country, Italy is a, you know, is a big tourist center, particularly around this time of year for skiing uh, in the northern part of the country. Uh, and we've seen some infections spreading uh, from Italy to other uh, parts of Europe. And to our understanding, the infection seemed to be uh, in the wild in Italy for several weeks before the first uh, case was uh, noted. And I think that this is the sort of pattern that we're going to see elsewhere. One of the other countries that we're sort of focusing quite a bit on is the USA. Um, again, there seems to have been you know, situations where people are being infected from a kind of a community infection point of view, which suggests that, again, the virus was you know, in the wild uh, before it was it was properly recognized so you know adding all this up you know we're seeing the supply chain maybe from china starting to return to normal but with infection spreading to other markets in the world and there's now very many countries uh, that have you know reported infections what we're likely to see is that demand uh, from retail sales uh, will be impacted um, so 
you know, it's far too early to say that we're sort of seeing the end of this. I think we're seeing a, a, a development in the in the viral outbreak situation, and that will continue to develop over the next uh, several months. Um, you know, our expectation is that you know we will probably be through the worst of this by the end of the second quarter, but it could drag on um, into the into the third quarter even. Okay, so now getting back to our main topic. the cellular technologies they have quite evolved over the past 3 decades so can you talk a little in depth about how things have progressed yeah so talking about our main topic uh, 5g we put out a a a little um chart which you know uh, listeners can find you know it's out on linkedin and twitter um basically it shows the sales of cellular phones since well uh, you know for the last 30 years pretty much the period that I've been uh, active in the industry um it's it's interesting in lots of ways i think probably the the one thing that stands out for me is just how resilient 2g uh, particularly gsm has been over the last 30 years it continues to be a an important technology and you know is obviously the backbone of most networks so if you fall back from uh you know one of the more advanced technologies like um 4G uh you will end up on 2G typically because that's the the most sort of prevalent technology around what's also interesting from chart is that 3G really you know didn't ever sort of make a, a big impact um you know it was it was reasonably strong through the you know through the the sort of the late uh, noughties of all that sort of you know through 2008 to sort of uh around 2012 2013 but then once 4G had really sort of uh lifted off uh 3G fell away quite sharply 4G has had a you know a strong uh run and that's really coincidental with the rise of sort of smartphone ownership across uh, across the world um the two kind of go hand in hand so there is a there is a kind of a relationship between the two um and then obviously we're now coming into into the uh the transition to 5G which we're seeing right now so are we expecting 5G to grow faster than 4G i think we will you know our our view is that 5G will lift off faster than 4G but it's you know will one be faster than the other it's 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 a, a kind of a yes and no um you know will 5g be faster than 4g you know i would say it's a kind of a yes and no so as i say 4g was coincident with the, with the rise in uh, ownership of smartphones um what we've seen more recently is that the replacement rate of smartphones across the world has slowed down so there's a question mark whether 5g will uh kind of reengage users and get them to you know see drive an uplift in the replacement rate i think that's you know maybe a little bit doubtful i think it will there will be some pressure to replace but not not immediately because the the networks just aren't there yet um but what we are seeing is that 5g is coming to uh you know lower cost phones more rapidly than 4g did you know so you're seeing with Qualcomm's launch of the Snapdragon 7 series and 6 series that are coming to 5G um and several companies uh 
like Xiaomi, Realme launching, uh, you know, really quite capable 5G products, you know, within the sort of the $500 realm, you know, that it is coming down the price bands quite quickly. So, you know, this will drive 5G smartphone uptake. Um, but then some of the, you know, some of the other benefits that, that accrue from the shift to 5G won't really be seen for, you know, a, a, a year or two uh, yet. Um, so there, there will be a kind of a, we think, a much longer run for, for 5G. But, you know, some of those benefits won't really accrue immediately. And so we'll see a sort of a gradual, you know, strengthening build in, in terms of 5G connections, you know, over the next uh, next number of years. Okay. And Peter, what can you talk about the current progress of the global 5G deployment in, in terms of uh, the countries with 5G availability, the operators and more? Yeah, so thinking about the you know the progress of global 5G deployments, um, it's you know what we what we saw in 2019 was uh, you know a number of operators rushing to, to claim to be the first to launch 5G. Uh, we saw that in South Korea initially, and then closely followed by the USA, and a number of other countries around the world have, have launched 5G. Um, Switzerland, uh, UK, some of the other. European countries, uh, some of the Nordic countries, you know, are live with 5G now. Um, but, uh, you know, other countries are, and operators are taking a little bit longer to, to come to the market. Some of this is to do with, uh, you know, just spectrum auctions and how quickly those are, uh, are being done. Um, other things that are sort of slightly holding it up, um, you know, I would say that, you know, if you think about the sort of the the five P's um, in relation to, to marketing, you know, I would add a couple more. So there's uh, what I would say is sort of plans and planning. Um, maybe that's one or two P's and then permission uh, being a, a third. So if we talk about those briefly, so plans and planning. So one is, is business plans. So a lot of the operators that we've spoken to haven't really, you know, got comfortable with the uh, you know the cost of, of building out 5g relative to the expected uh, returns that they will get from having 5g out there and so you know them working through their, their business plans is, is a kind of a, a key key issue in terms of planning um, thinking here about the network planning um, so Getting uh, base station sites is increasingly difficult. You know there are you know various concerns about the the build out of of infrastructure. Um, some of those are health related, maybe spurious. Um, you know others are just the fact that, uh, for example, building owners are demanding very high rents for for space on on buildings. So if you're building out a new network, it's uh, and you don't have the required base station sites, it can be very difficult to acquire those sites and then build out the network. So there's a there's an issue around that. The third P permission um, comes to you know partly is related to you know what we we're just talking about in terms of planning permission, but also around the permission to use infrastructure from certain suppliers. So Huawei is 
you know, perhaps the uh, leading 5G infrastructure supplier at the moment, but there is this you know, underlying concern about the security issues surrounding Huawei, uh, and that is causing operators a good deal of good deal of, of, of trouble. So if we if we look at the UK, for example, uh, so there was a, um, a a decision made by the government last year that allowed Huawei to be a part of the five G build out, but on you know a somewhat restricted basis. So uh, operators can can use Huawei as part of their uh, infrastructure, but up to a limit of thirty percent of you know any particular. Uh, equipment and also, you know, the thirty percent rule applies to uh, data traffic as well. Um, and Huawei equipment can't be used around sort of sensitive sites such as airports, uh, power stations, and so on. Um, now, for many of the operators in the UK, um, they've built out their four G networks using Huawei infrastructure. So, uh, you know, there would be a kind of a logical progression to use five uh, to use Huawei in the five G network and they are now having to kind of rethink the uh, the way in which they configure their network uh, with a number of different suppliers and sort of thinking through how that works um, you know makes it makes it uh, you know quite a challenge to, to to build the network and at the same time manage the Huawei content to this sort of 30 percent limit so you know this permission angle um, you know, this extra p you know has to be has to be thought through so we have a number of a number of kind of uh, factors that make the build out of 5g infrastructure uh, much more complex perhaps than than 4g was and that is you know slowing the you know will likely slow the rollout of uh, 5g over the next year to three years i would say okay now 5G has been made available via both millimeter wave and sub-6 bands. So how challenging is it for smartphone makers to support both of these bands? Yeah, so thinking about 5G from a, you know, also from a, from a spectrum perspective, we do have the, you know, the potential that 5G can exist in many different frequency bands from, you know, relatively low frequency Ranges. So what we're seeing in the US, for example, in the sort of 600 megahertz uh, frequency bands all the way up to, you know, millimeter wave, you know, above 26 gigahertz. Um, now, as many of the listeners will understand, there's, you know, dramatically different radio propagation characteristics across those uh, frequency bands, which, you know, has an impact on things like network planning. Um but also, you know, in relation to the smartphone itself. So, uh, particularly down to things like antenna design and the um, radio uh, front end uh, support within the device, um, you know, it's quite challenging to 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 manage all of those bands. So, the higher frequencies in the in the millimeter wave spectrum, the radio propagation is such that it's very easy to block those signals. So. The antenna design and the positioning of those antennas on the device is is particularly uh, uh, important to to allow for the radio propagation to work correctly. So, yeah, it is going to add cost and complexity to uh, smartphone design, and we're seeing that with you know some of the earlier smartphone 
um, launches where there will be you know specific SKUs that are aimed at markets where millimeter wave um, is currently present, like in the USA. And you're seeing, for example, you know, in the, for example, Huawei, um, in its own 5G smartphones, is not supporting millimeter wave because, you know, for uh, the reasons that we all understand, it's not being, you know, it's not able to to sell product in the USA. It's actually not able to sell products in in most of the rest of the world either. But for different reasons relative to to Android, um, so it's really kind of focusing its its uh, chipset efforts on the sub. Six uh, gigahertz wave bands. So, in countries where five G is currently available, what is the pricing and free data allowance like compared to four G? Yeah, so in in countries where five G is um, available, um, yeah, there, there's no kind of standard approach to pricing. Um, we're seeing, you know, some markets like Switzerland, for example, where as extraordinarily high prices for um, for 5G. Um, in others, it's you know there's no real kind of premium to uh, 5G over over 4G. In fact, in some countries, um, you know China, it's actually in some cases a little bit cheaper to use 5G than 4G. Um, you know, if I take the case of uh, the UK um, and you know, in particular one operator, Vodafone. What we've seen here is, you know, that they have created a, a essentially an all-you-can-eat uh, plan, but then there are some, you know, volume-limited plans which don't look like tremendous value. So there's there's a kind of a, a, a pressure to try and shift consumers onto all-you-can-eat plans, um, the pricing of which is, you know, it's quite attractive, you know, particularly relative to the to the volume-limited plans. So. You know, I think what we'll see increasingly is, you know, operators trying to kind of shift their consumers uh, onto these, you know, all-you-can-eat plans that will have a, you know, a short-term benefit to them in terms of bumping up ARPUs. But longer term, it will mean that there's perhaps, you know, less potential to drive, you know, greater upsides to the, you know, to, to the to the revenue. Um, but 5G has this potential to enable the consumption of a lot of content and i i guess operators are you know angling at a at a at a playing a role in the delivery and you know management of that uh, of those content relationships where they can potentially then make some additional revenue either directly from consumers or as a uh, you know as an aggregator and and uh, distributor of that content so now that smartphone sales have been dipped due to the coronavirus outbreak, will this also impact on the estimated 5G shipments that we were expecting this year? So, yeah, as a final thought, just, yeah, I mean, we, we've certainly seen sales dipping in markets where coronavirus has been uh, present. I mean, we saw a very sharp decline in China um, through the you know, through that kind of critical period in the January, February timeframe, um, and you know, all of all of Q1 will be, you know, quite severely impacted. Um, yeah, that that's likely to to spread more generally, but maybe at a, at a slightly lower level across the globe. Yeah, I mean, that will have some impact on 5G 
shipments. Um, exactly how significant that will be. I mean, we we have some uh, some forecasts out where we're trying to quantify what we think is the is the is the is the impact of the coronavirus uh, outbreak. Um, you know, we're keeping a kind of a close eye on you know how this outbreak develops and what the impact will be on retail activity in general. Uh, but sure, there will be some. And um, I mean, the, the the development of the disease is, uh, you know, makes it very challenging to, to really kind of, you know, develop concrete, concrete idea of this. But I think the, you know, we're looking at various different scenarios. Um, as we get more information, we will be able to determine which one of those scenarios is, is most likely to come out uh in in the in the you know through the rest of the year so yeah keep keep talking to us and we'll uh um keep you informed as as we go forward here well i think that was a pretty insightful conversation thanks peter for your time yeah thanks ritesh good good uh good talking to you and um keep tabs on counterpoint and uh, look forward to talking to you again.